Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for those who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for those who would escape it, happier for those who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for those who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for those who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for all to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Apparently, there's this thing that happens in between Christmas and sort of New Year, and, and we sort of forget how to do church. We make that even more difficult because we do things really differently during the holiday services. You know, like we add extra decoration or trip hazards. We do things like include ladders in our liturgy like we did last night. And then we just throw in the mixture of probably too much sugar and not enough sleep, and we find ourselves here on the feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, baptism, maybe wondering, do I remember how this works? So I'm grateful that our canon presenter and director of music, Joey Ripka, taught us about how to use the hymnal. And apparently today I'm going to teach you all about the prayer book. So if you'll pull out your prayer book, it's the book in your pew back. A pew back is the back of the thing you're sitting on. And it has a cross on the front. We thought, you know what we should really do? Not put the title of this book on the front. So that way, if you're looking for it and someone references it, you have to pull out every single book to find the right one. It looks like this, but I think yours might be red. I'm going to invite you to please turn to page 302. Now, <clears throat> it's not page 355, so it's not going to automatically open up to page 302. You're going to have to force it. Not too much, but just a little. Today we mark the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we heard proclaimed by Deacon Tracy Jesus' own baptism by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. It was the story of Jesus' trip to the waters, his anointing of the Holy Spirit, and God's proclamation of Jesus' belovedness. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to think John the Baptist probably did not have his prayer book with him. So we don't know for sure what words John spoke or in what order. I mean, what was going on. But we, we hold in our hands centuries, nay, millennia of thought, of prayer, of theological study, of liturgical committee's work. The waters, the words, the anointing of the Holy Spirit here 
in our baptismal liturgy. The first thing one needs for baptism would be someone who desires to be baptized. After that, they are asked some questions. This ritual contained in this liturgy, it touches the depth of the soul and provides an invitation to wrestle in baptism, to wrestle with the forces of good and evil, with spiritual forces of wickedness and the grace and love of Christ. It's not just about cute babies, though. Very nice. So the person who is to be baptized or their parents and godparents are asked these questions on page 302. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And as I coach or teach in baptism preparation, when you say I renounce them, say it with conviction. I renounce them. That's right. Satan, the spiritual forces of wickedness, it calls us to be real. There are things in this world that are bigger, more cosmic than us. Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God with conviction? By the third one, we're going to really get it here. This acknowledges that these big, cosmic, scary, unreally knowable forces of wickedness take on real forms in this world that also are bigger than us. These sort of systemic evils, like racism, like poverty. Every time you look out into the world and you hear the news and you think, I don't know how to fix that. I'm just one person. That, that right there are the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God that collectively we cannot overcome without, or that we cannot individually overcome. We renounce that. And then, do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? That one was good. This right here are the individual evils, right? The things that draw me away, you away from the love of God. And it might be very different from the person sitting next to you. That's how evil works. It doesn't come in just one shape or one color or one size. It's really a individualized pain. And then we take all of these things that we renounce and we say, these will be the things that I turn to instead. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? Yes. 
This is always the fun part about talking about baptism with youth-aged people, particularly in more evangelical contexts who might be very concerned when their friends come and ask them if they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I say, don't worry. You were covered in your baptism. Do you put your whole trust in Jesus' grace and love? And do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? So which is more difficult? Renouncing the evils of the world or trusting that when God created you, just as God created and separated the light on the first day and called it good, that when God created you, God said, you are good. For me, it changes every day, every moment, which is the most difficult. Baptism begins with these very declarative statements. I renounce them. I do. That's hard. It's hard. Which is why the next portion is so great. When someone is getting baptized, they aren't the only ones who make these declarative statements because the entire congregation, no pressure on behalf of all of Christendom, is asked, Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ? And then the congregation will say very definitively and without any waffling, we will. No pressure, you know, to do all in your power to support Every person baptized in all of Christendom. No pressure. Which is why when we turn the page, every single person renews their baptismal vows. And we name exactly what it is. And this is the power of the name, the power that we talked about, oh, just a few feast days ago as we talked about the holy name of Jesus Christ, we name very clearly, very definitively, exactly what it is. When we say, we will, and I do, and I renounce, we name what it is that we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We believe in God the Holy Spirit. just the apostles creed it's only been around you know we'll just say forever anybody want to leave yet i don't know about you but sometimes when i pray i think that i'm praying you know holy and well 
But really what I'm praying is, God, make my life easy. But at my baptism and at my confirmation, I very clearly said, don't make my life easy, God. In fact, you know, make it hard. You know, love, trust, renounce. So how do we do what is very, very difficult? We do these things with God's help. So you are asked, will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, not just here, but at your own dinner tables, in Dean Willie Hall, in an emergency shelter? And will you continue in your prayers? And we say, I will, with God's help. And then you are asked, will you persevere in resisting evil? And then I love this part, and whenever you fall into sin, because <laughs> you will, I will, Will you repent and return, return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. That part is hard. The sinning, generally easy. Turning back to God, sometimes more difficult. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news proper nouns here, they're capitalized, the good news of God in Christ. I will, with God's help, hate to break it to you all, you might have to say the name Jesus outside of these walls. Will you seek and serve? This is an action. Will you intentionally seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself. And will you strive for justice and peace among all people, not just those in your family, those in your apartment buildings, not just those in this church, but all people. Will you strive for justice and peace and respect the dignity of every human being. Remember that the next time you go to comment on your uncle's Facebook post. <laughs> None of this is easy. None of it is probably even all that fun. Some of it is. I think the breaking of bread part's pretty good. But with God's help, we are led to these practices and sort of inward states that allow for us to turn again and again and again to God and to the words that God spoke at baptism. My beloved, with you... I am well pleased. 
we then take all of these impossible, impossible hopes and practices and desires and intentions and we cover them with prayer. And we pray and we pray and we pray. In a church that does collective prayer, like our collect for purity, like our prayers that we pray for our prayers to the people. At baptism, they are individual prayers for those who are to be baptized. And we pray them into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ours in baptism. Turning to page 306, we then keep going with the prayers. After all, you know, that's what we're here to do. And we pray prayers over water. This thanksgiving over the water. It's not thanksgiving for water. It's a thanksgiving over the water. Turning regular old water, and I hate to break it to you, it comes from the tap in our sacristy, warmed up because we're nice. And those prayers turn ordinary water into an outward and visible sign. An outward and visible sign of God's promise to be with you always. And then we take oil, not just regular oil, but blessed chrism oil. And the sign of the cross is made upon your forehead and the words are spoken into being you are marked and sealed in holy baptism as Christ's own forever. Never goes away. Doesn't go away when you kick your brother or sister. It doesn't go away when you drink too much at the Christmas party and you wake up with a shame over doesn't go away when you get a DUI, doesn't go away when you commit murder, if, doesn't go away when you make the deepest, most painful wounds to yourself, to others, and to God's creation. Forever. Forever. And then we are baptized. And again, the entire congregation says, We receive you into the household of God. And it's not just, again, this household of God, but God's household of God. And the invitation is made to come shoulder to shoulder with those who too have been marked and sealed forever to confess with word, by example, the gift of Christ within 
and among you. Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ who goes on ahead to prepare a mansion with many rooms, one with your name on it. And then we pray. My favorite prayer in the prayer book. It is a prayer of hope for one's baptism. And it's on the top of page 308. Heavenly Father, we thank you that by water and the Holy Spirit you have bestowed upon these your servants the forgiveness of sin and have raised them to the new life of grace. Sustain them, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Give them an inquiring and discerning heart the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and to love you, and the gift of joy and wonder in all your works. Beloved, baptism isn't a liturgy. It's not a moment, it's not a day more than water and oil. It's more than a gown worn thin through generations of use. Baptism, from the moment that water touches your forehead, is a call upon every moment of your life. It isn't easy. But it is good. Amen.